Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Hello, family. It's Pastor. It is Wednesday, June 10th. Wednesday, June 10th. It is midweek Bible study. Uh, tonight. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, listen, we're greeting you today from the uh, great city of Corona. Uh, On behalf of the great city of San Pedro, Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church, to all of our Mount Sinai family members, uh, those who are near, those who are extended, uh, of course, we uh, greet you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. We want you to know we love you. We're praying for you and that we are continuing to lift you up before the Lord that God would uh, meet you at the point of your needs and that he would allow his presence, even during this time, to be felt like never before. To all of our extended family members, those of you who are not uh, necessarily a part of the congregation of the Mount, uh, but you tune in on a regular basis to uh, listen to what thus saith the Lord uh, by way of this small church in the great city of San Pedro, uh, those of you who are listening in other countries and other states, we want you to know that we appreciate you so much. Uh, your kindness uh, has not gone unnoticed, and we want you to know uh, that we thank God for you, and we pray that this ministry is touching you uh, in a way that it's causing you to grow closer to God uh, and to walk even more diligently for God. Amen. Uh, tonight, before we get into prayer, of course, we want to bring before you the sick, the shut-in, We want you to be praying for those of our members and those who are across this country are hurting, uh, those who have been devastated by the COVID-19 virus. Uh, We got two viruses, believe it or not, that we're fighting. We're fighting against COVID-19, but then we're also fighting against this virus of racism, prejudice, and bias that is taking place in our country. It is not new. Uh, COVID-19 is new. Uh, The other virus is not new. That's been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, I heard somebody say yesterday we're fighting COVID-19 and COVID-1619, which is, of course, when slaves first came here to this country. uh, And we're fighting against both. And we want you to know we're fighting with you. We're on the front lines with you. Uh, We're in the battle with you. Uh, We may be doing it differently, but trust me, our hearts are definitely stirred by the events that have taken place over the last several weeks. And we want you to take courage in knowing that God is uh, watchful and he sees all that's going on. Uh, And trust me when I say, if I don't know anything else, I know God has a purpose and God has a plan. Amen. Uh, Tonight, listen, family, uh, be in prayer for those who, as I mentioned, are sick and shut in, those who are bereaved as we go before the Lord. And we beseech him on behalf of our brothers and our sisters who are struggling. Uh, We're asking God to meet us at the point of need and to be a very present help in our time of need. Amen. Let us pray. God, how we bless and praise and thank thee, Lord God, for who you are and for what you've done, Lord God, in our lives. We ask tonight, Lord God, that you would just uh, incline your ear, that you would listen to the prayers Uh, hear the cries of your people, Lord, that you would just show up in a mighty way and that you would touch, that you would rest, rule, and abide with these, your sons and your daughters tonight, Lord God. Allow us to feel your presence like never before. 
as we call upon thy name, Lord, knowing that you are a way maker. We believe that, Lord God. We know that you can do all things and you do all things well. So God, we pray tonight for your help. We pray for your intervening hand to lead, to guide, to direct us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. We ask tonight, Lord God, that your people would be lifted up, Lord God, that you would raise up bowed down heads and that you would wipe the tears from our eyes. Touch the sick and the shut in, Lord God, those who are dealing with pain and affliction within their body, Lord God, I pray that you would touch them, Lord God, that you would remind them that you've not brought them this far to leave them now, Lord. We pray for the bereaved hearts, Lord God, those who've lost loved ones who are still struggling with the reality, Lord God, that uh, here on this earth, they will not see those people again. But God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord God, that one day we will join with those believers who have left this place, uh, that we'll be joined with them again in heaven, Lord, as we there e eternally praising and worshiping your holy name. Now, God, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds, pour into us that which you'd have us to have tonight. And we'll be careful to give you praise, to give you honor, and to give you glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless his holy name, family. Listen real quick as you're turning to the scripture. The scripture tonight we're going to be dealing with is Psalm 3. Psalm 3, uh, specifically verse 1 through 3, Psalm 3. But as you're turning in your Bibles to the scripture tonight, let me encourage you, uh, for those of you who do already have this as a part of your regular routine, those of you who may not, uh, I would encourage you to begin journaling and or keeping a diary and or a record of the events that have taken place here in the last couple of months. We are in a very interesting time period. And listen to me, five years from now, 10 years from now, I believe, I believe uh, that there will be people who will not believe what we went through within the first six months of 2020. I don't think they'll believe it. Amen. Um, but this is a time for us to reflect. It's a time to be revived and refreshed uh, and knowing that God has a purpose for all that he is allowing to take place. And I'm telling you, I think you'll be enriched and blessed if you begin capturing your feelings and the events of this current culture in this time period in which we're in. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to the choir because it's something that I'm encouraging myself to start doing as well. Uh, I don't do it as regularly as I'd like to, but I do get a chance to share on a regular basis my emotions and my feelings because I get an opportunity to preach and teach the word of God. So you always kind of have an understanding of where I am, amen? Uh, but I would encourage you to do that. Listen, we gotta get to the word of God. The word of God in Psalm three, Psalm three, verses one through three, these words are recorded. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me. Verse two, so many are saying God will never rescue him. Finally, verse three, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. My God, what a word, specifically verse three. 
My goodness. Listen to me. We're still continuing in this series we've been doing on Wednesday nights. Never underestimate the authority of our God. I don't even know which one this is. I think it's number four, uh, but we're taking specific scripture throughout the Bible and using them to encourage the people of God by way of knowing and understanding that God has authority over every situation and over every circumstance. Amen. And tonight we want to deal with Psalm 3, Psalm 3, as I mentioned, specifically verse 1 through 3. Psalm number 1 begins with tranquility. If you were to read it, it is a very tranquil uh, set that is put before the people of God. It is a very vivid illustration of the beauty of walking with the Lord and the blessing of staying with the Lord. Psalm number two, on the other hand, deals with hostility. It, it opens up in verse one by saying, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. It is a hostile environment that is being described in Psalm number two. And then when we get to uh, Psalm number three, we go from tranquility in Psalm 1 to hostility in Psalm 2 to stability in Psalm 3. And dare I even say a lack of stability. The background of Psalm number 3 is found in 2 Samuel chapter 15 through 17. Psalm 3 is David's prayer to God when he was forced to flee a second time from Jerusalem. The first time you would remember is when Saul, King Saul, was threatened by David's popularity and sought to kill him. However, this time David's pursuer was not an aging, jealous king, but is his very own flesh and blood, his son, by the name of Absalom. Not, not just his son, but the apple of David's eye. To add insult to injury, backstabbing friends and associates who had fallen for Absalom's deceitful, charismatic charm, joined this disloyal son in his rebellion against his father. Most parents would agree that life's most intense heartaches involve our children. Imagine David's heart-piercing pain as his son rose up to destroy him and to take his kingdom by force. The entire Psalm sheds light on the mental and emotional state of David. However, verse five says something interesting. It says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. The, the word therefore awake means to arouse or to provoke, to stir a person from sleep. The inference is that David was having a hard time sleeping, which is somewhat understandable. And I don't know what it is going on within your specific and particular life, the circumstances in which you're currently facing, but I have to believe that David's not the only one 
if we were to put ourselves in his predicament and in his situation, that David's not the only one having a difficult time sleeping. Imagine, if you will, his shame as he, the mighty warrior king, fled Jerusalem barefoot and weeping. How could any father rest knowing he would soon face his son in battle? Psalm 3 is the first psalm of lamentation to God. To lament means to cry out. It means one who is hurt and sorrowful. For many of us, these are the most precious of all the psalms. Darkest hours of our lives, we identify with them and even quote them in our prayers. These psalms teach us to take our burdens, our fears, our questions, and even our complaints directly to God. God wants to, he has a desire to participate in every aspect of our lives. He wants to be involved in everything that we face. God has thick skin, family. He can handle our frustrations. He can handle our hopelessness and even our anger. The Psalms of lament encourage us to call upon the great creator and judge of the universe. And I'm telling you, call we should. Yeah, you, you, you stop calling your friends. Stop calling your mama. Call on God. Why? Because God loves us so much that he allows us to come to his holy, omnipotent throne room in heaven. And it gives us the liberty to unleash the raw emotions of our hearts. My God, if you were ever uh, listening on conversations that I have with God, you'd wonder if I had lost my mind. But he is my father. And if there's anybody I can be directly and specifically honest with, it's him. All my hurts, all my pains, all my frustration, all my anger all of my uncertainty, all of my doubts, I can take it to my father because he has thick skin and he can handle it. I'm, I'm telling you, he can handle everything that I bring to him. And listen to me, if he can handle my stuff, I know he can handle your stuff. In this precious psalm, God's Holy Spirit teaches us how to rest tonight and how to face our tomorrows. The fourth number of Psalm, verse eight says this, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou Lord only makest me dwell in safety. Yeah, he, he uses a broken hearted father and a humiliated king to encourage us as we face the desperate situations of our lives. And listen, I've been around long enough to know there's some people listening right now that feel desperate in your situation and in your circumstance. Here in this story, we are reminded, don't ever underestimate the authority of our God. Let's look at it. Let's just peel back the layers of verse one, two, and three, and let me see if I can align your vision with my vision more importantly, with the Holy Spirit's vision in order that we might walk away from this text tonight with some added ammunition. Here's the first thing. I want you to look at the observation. 
to look at the observation. Verse one, the Bible says, oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. The backdrop of Psalm three takes place in second Samuel chapter 15 through chapter 17. Second Samuel chapter 15 through chapter 17. A tidal wave of trouble is crashing in upon King David. He is distressed and deserted by family, his son specifically Absalom, his friends who was a counsel to him, Ahithophel, and of course, when you have your family and your close friends against you, your foes can't be too far behind. Second Samuel chapter 15 verse 12 says, and Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gileonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices and the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. Ahithophel was David's boy. He was his confidant, his friend, and his brother. He is fully aware that Absalom is raising a coup against his father. And instead of attempting to talk some sense into Absalom, Ahithophel joins in the betrayal. And oftentimes those that are the closest to us are able to inflict the deadliest blows. Because with them, our guard is usually down. Absalom is young and foolish. However, Ahithophel is different. He, he has seen firsthand God's anointing on David. Let me just encourage a parent out there. Sometimes our kids cannot relate to the battles in which we fall. They see the end result, but they don't realize what you had to go through to get to where you are. As a matter of fact, if the truth be told, many children, many young people don't view their parents as really having too much on the ball at all. They, they look at us. They understand that we're the providers. They understand that we carry authority. But in some cases, if the truth be told, they take the word of others even over our word. That, don't, don't be offended, family, when that happens. The fact of the matter is they're immature. They will come to respect you even the more as long as you stay the Course of God, they will come to acknowledge even the more that, man, you really did know something. You were pretty smart when it was all said and done. But the fact of the matter is because of their immaturity, sometimes it takes them a little longer to get to where you want them to be. But Ahithophel has no excuses. The fact of the matter is he's seen the anointing of God on David's life. He's seen God have his grace and his mercy cover David. He's seen God as God has led David and blessed David. And now he insults the king by joining with the foe, which happens to be his family. Ethophel aligns himself in the act of infidelity against his friend. Yeah, the, the betrayal of these loved ones and friends had to be painful and crushing for David. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been rejected? Because if you have, you can relate to how David must have been feeling. David says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? David's conflicts are getting hot. Yeah, tri tribulation, trials, troubles tend to come in troops.
Some people say trouble comes in threes. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it this way, trouble comes in flocks. Amen. Trouble can come very rapidly. Our circumstances can take a turn for the worse. And they do it without any warning. David went from king to fugitive. David went from safety to danger. David went from health to sickness. And David went from wealth to poverty and from life to death swiftly. Second Samuel chapter 17 verse 1 says, Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, let me now choose out of 12,000 men will arise and pursue after David this night. Can, can you imagine? This is his boy. This is his ace. This is his dude. Not only does he join with Absalom, now he's the one who's putting together the scheme and the plan to take David out. Now, now some people are going to say, well, pastor, why would he do that? I, I don't know. He, I can tell you what I think it is. I think it's jealousy. I think it's je jealousy is such a strong emotion. And sometimes people around you, you got to keep your eyes open, keep your ears open because them same people patting you on your back could be trying to kick you in your behind. My grandmother used to tell me as a kid, she said a pat on the back is only 18 inches away from a swift kick in your rear. Amen. Many troubled David. The word trouble means distress. It means narrow. It means tight. Here's the idea. The idea of this word is David's foes were cornering him. They had his back up against the wall. David is realizing that he is between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever felt like you were being trapped or cornered? This is the way David felt. His circumstances were getting to him. The anxiety was rising. Can, can you see the observation? David is describing for us exactly how he felt. But listen, in the midst of it, don't underestimate the authority of God. Not only should you look at the observation, you should also look at the opinions. L look at the opinions. The Bible says in verse two, so many are saying God will never rescue him. Now listen to me. If there was ever a time to shout during the course of this podcast, it ought to be now. Because there are people looking at your life and your situation, and trust me when I say, they don't believe that God can bring you out of your circumstances. But I want you to know, don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what God knows about you. And I'm telling you, God has a plan. I don't care what people say. I'm telling you, God has a plan. He has a plan, and he has a plan with your name on it. The Bible says here, these folk are saying against David, God will never rescue him. David's false friends defended, listen to me, their disloyalty by claiming that God was on Absalom's side and that David had lost the Lord's favor. This false assumption satisfied their corrupt conscience and in their minds justified their treason against their king. And sadly, the opinion that God was judging David was spreading. It was going all over the place. Yeah, God must be mad at him all of a sudden because here's a man that's been rolling with God and he says he's the anointed of God. And now all of a sudden, it seems like the tide is turning against him.
Yeah, that, that's what they're saying. Uh, but note the words of Shimei, a relative of Saul, who cursed David as he fled Jerusalem. Listen to what he says in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 8. He said, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. Yeah, he's trying to say it's because of what David did against Saul. Now God is flipping the script against David. He goes on to say, in whose stead thou hast reigned and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 8, listen to me. So, some people prophesy and some people prophesy. And in this case, he's prophesying. He's prophesying because he don't know what he's talking about. He's saying that God is returning everything that belonged to Saul, that David took it from Saul, when we all know the reality is God gave it to David. And now God is taking it back and he's giving it to Absalom. When sincere, faithful believers face trouble, some carnal Christians and unbelievers usually question their relationship with God. Foolishly conclude that God is judging those who are afflicted and that he is repaying them for some sins that they've committed. This is what many in Israel concluded against David. It is the same way Job's friends responded in his dark hours of distress. Please remember, family, that accusations and rumors are not always true. Uh, let me say that again, that accusations and rumors are not always true. In fact, they usually spring from hearts that are not right with God. Yeah, if people's hearts are in tune with God, they don't gloat or rejoice when the chastening hand of God comes upon someone else. They think in their hearts, but by the grace of God, there go I. They, they, they look at it and realize that the same situation somebody else is in, that if they don't mind their P's and their Q's, they can end up in the same situation. Neither do they assume the place of God by passing judgment. If we're truly spiritual family, we understand God's word and purposes. We dare not assume that trouble in the life of a righteous person is God's punishment. We, we don't assume that. In the midst of accusations, in the midst of allegations, in the midst of indictments, assertions, and contentions, just remember Psalm 55:22. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And I'm telling you, if we had a testimony mic right now, passing around every home, every workplace, wherever you're listening from, I know there's some folk listening to this tonight that can testify that they cast their burdens upon God and God sustained you. He kept your mind. He kept your business going. He kept you in your home. He kept you with your car. He kept your kids with safety. He gave you peace that passeth all understanding. I'm telling you, the God that we serve is a sustaining God. He's able to sustain thee. And guess what? He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. In other words, if you're on the right side of the situation, God's going to have your feet planted firm. And all you got to do is stand. And having done all, all you got to do is stand. Amen. I read a story once of our American president, Abraham Lincoln. He once said these words. 
I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. Listen to me. There's some folk we've been running to that we have confided in, people that we've trusted and aligned with because we thought our values and our principles were similar. When the fact of the matter is, they have set us up now. Now they are on the other side of the situation. They have gone from friend to foe. They have gone from family to foe. Please, family, please don't believe that just because we got the same blood, the same DNA, that because we're biologically connected to one another, that we are spiritually going in the same direction. David, after describing desperate situation to God, David inserts the word sila, S-E-L-A-A. This word, it is believed means to pause, to meditate on what has just been said. And I don't know about you, but when I was reading through this, when I was studying this, this seemed to be an unusual place for a pause. But it carries a strategic purpose, I believe. When we are facing a desperate situation. The psalmist here suggests that we pause and meditate on the distress and perhaps the hopelessness of our situation. Listen, we're not meditating on it in order that it might consume us. We're meditating on it and coming to the conclusion that there's only one way out of this situation. And this interlude dramatically sets the stage for the full impact of David's triumphant statement, which comes in verse three. Yeah, don't don't underestimate the authority of our God. The first thing you gotta look at is look at the observation. Look at the observation. Look at David's outlook based on what he described he was in the midst of. The second thing though, you have to look at the opinions. Yeah, people gonna have opinions, trust me. Uh, No matter who you are, no matter how much you've been faithful and committed to the things of God, there are some people who are going to have opinions of what you say and what you do. And guess what? Those opinions normally don't come from the word of God. But then finally, family, look at the optimism. Wow. Boy, you better preach this thing, man. Look at the optimism, family. Verse three says, but you, O Lord are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. My goodness, what a way to sum up the first three verses. Verse three is the capstone to all that David is feeling and all that he is describing and all that the people are saying about him. Verse three comes along and annihilates the mindset of verse one and puts the rest of foolishness of verse two. The Bible says here, but, but, it starts off verse three, but, and it is the simple yet powerful word that transitions the mood of this song from helplessness to hope from darkness to light, from weakness to power. Just as this Psalm does not end with David's desperate situation, our overwhelming circumstances are not our doom. Let let me just say that again, family. 
our, our, yours, mine, overwhelming circumstances are not our doom. We're not left to hopelessly suffer feet at the hands of our enemies, but informs us that the tone of this psalm is changing with the words, thou, O Lord. David took his eyes off his enemies and began to focus them on God. And when we're not alone in our battles and we're not without help when we are attacked by insurmountable trouble family. It's important to note that throughout the psalm, David addresses God as Yahweh in the Hebrew and Jehovah in the Greek. And the only exceptions are when David quotes his enemies in verse two and when he responds to their taunts in verse seven. Yahweh, Jehovah, is God's covenant name, the name that is used to symbolize God's faithfulness to his people. Did you get that? Yahweh is God's covenant name. It's the name that is used to symbolize the faithfulness of our God to his people. The Lord had made a covenant with David, a promise that pledged the throne of Israel was David's. He does that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And after the promise was given, David was not controlled by the fears or his feelings. Instead, he stood firm in the fact that God, who does not break his covenant or his promises, had given the kingdom to him. My God, has God ever given you something? Whatever God has given you, there is no devil in hell that can take it from you. And David's troubled mind turned to a familiar promises of God's word, promises such as what God told to Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's in Genesis chapter 15 and one. David took his mind off his enemies and put his mind and his focus on God and remembered Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29, where the Bible says, happy art thou, O Israel, who was like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who has the sword of thy excellency, and thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. Listen to me, family. Your enemies can are liars. They're liars. They're liars. And no matter what they say about you, God knows a different story, and he has planned a different outcome. The portrayed king's confidence was not in his skills as a warrior. They were not in his armies. They were not in his friends. He knew his protector, his shield was God. Yeah, there, there are two types of shields that the Bible talks about a warrior had. There was a big rectangular, large rectangular shield. And that was one that a, a, a soldier, a warrior could hide behind. But then there was a, a, another small shield that was a handheld shield, which was used to fend off arrows and to absorb the strikes of a sword. Hmm. The Hebrew word here for shield is the latter. It's the smaller shield. And I want you to know the significance of this word. David was not afraid of a mortal shot or a blow from his enemy. The Lord was his shield. The Lord would not just protect David 
from being struck by his foes, but also he would personally, listen to this, take the shots or the blows intended for David. God personally would rise up in front of David and absorb the impact. Look at the optimism, family. Look at the optimism. David knew though Absalom had forsaken him and though Ahithophel had forsaken him and though his friends had forsaken him, David was optimistic because he wiped the tears from his eyes and he realized God was still on the scene. Yeah, he he was still there reminding David of his presence and reminding David of his promises and reminding David of his protection. God always has our best interest at heart, family. Listen to me, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you find yourself, God paid the penalty in order to deliver you from the affliction and to give you hope, security, and peace in the midst of your storm. That, that's the reason the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we're healed. Yeah. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hmm. Don't ever underestimate the authority of our God. Why preacher? Why pastor? Because all you have to do is look at the observation. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me. Many of us, many of us are always complaining and crying about the woes of life. Yeah, I know it's a lot, but sometimes you just gotta sit back and observe and just check it out and look at it for what it is and know that God has a plan. Why? Because he has all authority. Not only do you have to look at the observation, you have to also look at the opinions. So many are saying God will never rescue him. Listen to me, family. Some people are waiting for you to call them, to complain to them, not so that they can pray for you, but rather so that they can formulate even more so in their minds and in their spirit an opinion that God is not for you. Listen to me, be careful who you share your hurts and your pains, your aspirations and your goals with, because not everybody is for you. And sometimes their opinions, though they may not state it to you, is against you. Not only do you have to look at the observation and look at the opinions, but you also have to look at the optimism. The Bible says, but you, yeah, there's a term right there. There's a U-turn right in the middle of the street. David says, I'm heading in the wrong direction in verse one and two. Let me get myself together. He does an about face in verse three when he says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds up my head. In other words, God has lifted up his countenance. If it were not for God lifting up the head and the face 
of David. David would have drowned in his own sorrows because of what was going on in and around his life. Listen to me, family. God is lifting up your bowed down head tonight. You've cried long enough about this situation and about this circumstance. It is but by the grace of God that you've been able to withstand it this long. And guess what? You cannot give God glory when your head and your attention is pointed down toward those things that frustrate and anger and hurt you. You have to look up to the hills knowing your help is coming from the Lord. Listen, family, don't ever underestimate the authority of our God. Listen, we're out of minutes. We're never out of message. It's time for us to go. We want to be respectful of your time. Family, I pray you receive this word today and that you apply it to your life immediately because I believe that if you get this within your spirit, your situation will start to look very different. Listen, in this 2020 experience and all you're doing and all you're being and all you're getting, God will be glorified. God bless you, family. We love you. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, You can feel free to send a money order or check or cashier's check to the church. Uh, Attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries. We want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified.